The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by Relola. The Relola app helps agents leverage their local expertise. Create a beautiful interactive map of everything you love about your community, from businesses to listings to local features. Share it on Facebook and your website. And it's free for all realtors in 2018. Learn more at relola.com. What happens is people, uh, they're not consistent with their work. And they do, they do the things that they're supposed to do when they feel like doing it instead of doing it consistently. So what you need to do is if you like knocking on doors, you have to do, do that consistently. If you like hosting open houses, you do that consistently. If you want to work on expireds, you do that consistently. If you want a phone call, you do that consistently. You don't do it when you feel like it. You set up a schedule every day to do these items. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 135 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much once again for joining us, for finding us, for sharing uh, our little corner of the internet with a friend. It's how we continue to grow and get bigger. And uh, so I I can't thank you enough. We're going to stay local this week. We're going to go on the other side of the bay from where I live in St. Petersburg. We're going to head over to the Brandon Valrico area, and I'm very excited to have Dan Hensler of Keller Williams joining us today on the podcast. Dan, thank you so much. Hello. Uh, glad to be here, and uh, thanks for giving me a call. Yeah. So I want to find out a, a, about you first, then we'll talk about the business. And I know you've been at Tampa Bay for a long time, like over 40 years, but I don't think you get to call yourself a native yet, right? Because... You weren't really born here. Tell me, tell me where you grew up. No, I was uh, born in New Jersey. Uh, my family uh, decided they wanted to get the warm weather, and I was eight years old when we moved down here. My mom and dad moved down here without a job, and um, and he was very confident and got a job. And I've been here for a long time. I'm 55 now, and came down here when we were eight years old. So I've been down here for a long time. Did you uh, settle in Tampa right away? We uh, actually uh, moved to, to the town and country area. We lived in an area called Baycrest. We rented a house out there for about a year, and my family uh, uh, built got a lot and built a house in an area called Pat Acres off of Barry Road. Okay. Tell me what Hillsborough County was like in the 70s, because I'm new. I've only been here a year, uh, and I, I'm sure there's some of those... When you talk to some other old timers, they go, hey, remember when, you know, those kinds of things from your childhood. Give me a little picture of what it was like. You know, um, there was not too much at the time in Hillsborough County. Uh, We were just kind of a little suburb. Um, You know, we came down here in 71. We didn't even have many sport teams down here when we came down here. And uh, actually, in 1971, when I came down here, that was the year that Disney World opened, which was uh, really uh, tickets were $4.95 to get in. What do you think of that? I was in California at that time. And so I, I don't quite remember that price, but I do remember, you know, the, the ticket books. And so you're going to go there, right? The e-ticket, the A through e-tickets? 
Yeah, you just you had tickets that you got for rides, and a little bit different now. You now you pay uh, one emission, a pretty high emission, and yeah. and get uh, on all the rides and wait in line for about an hour. So as young young kids, you you I'm sure the family made the occasional trip over to Orlando. We did. We yeah. did. We had some great wonderful times there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Disney was an icon then. You have to remember when I moved down here. Uh, when I was eight years old, they had just opened up. So it was big, new, exciting, and it still is. Uh, we've made the trip already since we've been here. We've done uh, both Disney and Universal. It's pretty spectacular, and you were right about the expensive part. Woof, it's a little steep. But <laughs> Let me ask you this. You mentioned the sports teams, and I like talking sports. Um, the The fact that, I mean, what, the first team to get here, was it? Uh, it was the Buccaneers, right? Yeah, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, were the first team here, uh, 1976, and uh, unfortunately we lost all our games. But uh, you know, if you stayed a Bucs fan and you followed them, we eventually uh, got to the Super Bowl and we won a Super Bowl. So that was very exciting. Right, 76. I'm thinking that's John McKay's team, right? Back in the day. John McKay, I believe it was from uh, Southern California. Yeah, he was a USC coach who uh, who headed out and. Didn't have a whole lot of success in the in the in the uh, in the NFL, but but then uh, let's see. So then next to arrive, um, who was next? The Lightning or or the uh, the Rays? Yeah, I believe uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, we came in existence in 1992, I believe. Okay. So we we uh, we beat the Rays by a little bit there, and the Lightning. Uh, you know, they didn't have an arena. They kind of made their own arena. Uh, it was called the Cow Palace, actually, by the Florida State Fairgrounds, and they also played out in St. Pete a little bit and eventually had their own stadium. But the Tampa Bay Lightning is probably, I would think, the number one team here as far as people following, uh, really recognizing, and, and a consistent winner. They have great leadership within the whole uh, team organization. Yeah, it's um, what, what the owner, it's, it's Vinick, I think, what he's done. Yeah, downtown and Emily Arena and that whole water district. He's a pretty amazing guy. Incredible stuff that he's done, and there's more stuff to come. He uh, definitely has a great vision for the future. Yeah. So let's move on. You you um, you ha you end up going to school. It's actually just north of Tampa. I don't know if it's in Pasco County, but St. Leo. Is that right? I went to many schools, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I went to uh, Hillsborough Community College. And uh, also went to St. Leo, got my associate's degree before I went into the Air Force. Then while I was in the Air Force, I had uh, many different universities I went to uh, while in the Air Force. I went to night, uh, night school to get my uh, bachelor's degree there. Okay. But uh, I was at D.C. and St. Leo were my primary schools I went to before I went in the Air Force. Let's talk about, first of all, thank you for your service. And, and tell me a little bit about... Um, what your role was, what you did in the Air Force? In the Air Force, I was the numbers person. I worked in the comptroller department there. I worked with budgets. I worked with resource advisors. Uh, we paid people going TDY, which stands for temporary duty. And so they would go uh, on a temporary mission. They would come back, and we'd have to figure out how much to pay them. And, you know, sometimes they would come back, and they would rent out a Corvette, and they weren't authorized to rent out a Corvette. So... We had some little tiny mini uh, hiccups there, and uh, it was usually the younger people who did stuff like that there. But I loved the Air Force. I was in there for about 10 and a half years, 
um, the whole time I served in the finance department, the comptroller division there. And uh, while I was in the Air Force, I did support and serve for Desert Storm. Desert Storm uh, happened around 1991. And year after that, I was in Dahran, Saudi Arabia for about four, about four months there. So it was nothing, not a long tour. I was not a gunfighter. I was doing my comptroller duties over there, uh, which was important at the time. I don't think we realize in the in the military in general, right across all the branches, all the branches of the service, that that, um, that there's there's an entire operation behind the scenes that is supporting everything else that's going on, right? I mean, it must be massive. Well, you have transportation, you have supply, you have the flight line. Uh, you can even go as down as the, the chow hall. You know, there's people who have to support the chow hall and have food for the uh, people. There's people who clean up the barracks, and it's a tremendous support system out there. And it goes way beyond the areas I just talked about. After your military career ends, did you was real estate kind of a top of mind for you? Is that where you headed right away? I've always had an entrepreneur type mind. I always wanted my own business. Um, even uh, when I was in school in uh, fifth grade, me and my friend, Pat Zambito, I'll mention his name on here, we used to have football pools that we ran, and we collected 25 cents from kids, and we had the football pools, and then we we were told we weren't supposed to be doing that, so we had to end that there, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, real estate was probably the most lucrative and cheapest cheapest business to get into. You don't have to rent a storefront. You don't have to hire employees right off the bat. You don't have to buy supplies. So that was uh, one of my reasons. Just I wanted to have my own business, and real estate was probably one of the cheapest ones to get into. So you go to real estate school, and do you choose Keller Williams right away? No, I don't. Um, I go to Century 21. I work for a company called Fred McKay Realty. And I was there probably for about 10, uh, close to 11 years. And an individual by the name of Fred McKay ran the company. He was a retired colonel, I believe, in the Air Force. And probably one of the best men I ever met. Uh, just a very honest integrity and you name it. Uh, unfortunately, about four or five years after I was uh, with the company, he did pass away. And the company uh, went over to his daughters and... Um, I decided to make a change at that time. Uh, Keller Williams was a young company. They were going in a great direction, technology-driven, thought outside the box, uh, had a culture that was unpresented. And uh, I am with Keller Williams right now. I've been with them for about 11 years. Okay. And so uh, you and I, we've met and we, we had a conversation about your business and just about everything you do is referral based. You really are really good at connecting with people, um, helping them, you know, being that, that, that local expert and then guiding them through a process. So how do you, how do you stay connected to that network? Cause we know that's critical, right? To kind of keep that referral machine going. The referral machine um, keeps the business going and that these are our customers that are very loyal to us and we're very loyal to them. So it works back and forth. But I do a lot of simple stuff. Every month I send out postcards just to kind of remind them uh, I'm in the business. It may be information on events going on in the community. It may be about a new listing that I have. It may be about uh, appreciation party that we have coming up. 
And we did uh, we did one last year with the Star Wars movie, which was great. We rented out a movie theater. Uh, we invited the people who have referred us business. So this is very task orientated. We just don't invite everyone. We usually invite uh, the people refer us business. They maybe they like us a little more than some of our other customers there. But uh, every month I text my customers. Uh, I literally spend about 20 minutes in the morning every other day, which does not sound like much. And I just say, Hey, Johnny, how you doing? How's your son doing in soccer? Most of it's non-real estate related, and they love it. They love that you're thinking about them. They love that you remember about their kids or their family or event that they did recently. And you're doing this without a CRM? Are you? Are you? You just know I've got these people, and I'm just going to text them. Or do you have a, a tool that's helping you do that? I'm currently using the CRM Top Producer. It doesn't do all the functions that I um, probably want it to do, uh, but it, it serves as a, a framework for me to reach my customers. So in there, I can annotate each person I'm supposed to text every day. I can indicate each people that I'm supposed to mail out every month. Okay, so that kind of keeps you on track, right? It does. It yeah. does. Yeah. Great system for keeping me on track. It does have other tools, which I just do not use, which I should be using. Yeah, I think that's a common, common comment for um, a lot of CRMs. They can do so much, but ultimately, you know, you've got to, I think people like to pick out the things that work and then work that really hard and maybe they'll adapt some other things later. But that, that's, that's a definitely an issue in the industry, right? The, big, the biggest thing with my CRM, I've reduced it and I have certain people that I call my spare. I have certain people that are my best people. I have my 10 star people. Um, I have another group, tenants and landlords. So they all get different types of messages at different types of times because they're all a different in a different group, a different portal. Let's, let's talk about Keller Williams for a second. I'll tell you, um, there's a, a whole lot of talk about all these new models coming in. You know, you got Open Door and OfferPad and, you know, Compass starting up their super techie company. Um, but just recently at Family Reunion, you know, the big annual event that uh, Keller Williams puts on, Gary Keller got up and, and really talked about some big plans for Keller Williams going forward. I mean, he really wants to have um, technology. He, he wants the technology that's owned by the company and, and, you know, used by the agents talk about, um, you know, your thoughts about what he was kind of that message he was presenting. Gary Keller, he's a, a genius. He has amazing people that work for him. Um, and he's always looking outside the box and going forward. And that's what I love about the company there. Um, some of the big items that are coming up. I don't know if I can mention them, <laughs> well, don't get don't, don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Keller Williams is going to have their own mortgage company. That, that is incredible, right there. Um, and one of the things, and I'm going to back up a little bit, but it's all about data here, and everyone's acquiring everyone's data, and the data can be used for many many purposes there. So Keller Williams has decided instead of people. Uh, buying their data, they're going to have their own mortgage company. It's going to be called Keller Williams Mortgage. Uh, it's going to be an incredible mortgage company. They have labs going on it right now. So they actually have test labs going on it. People are participating in it. And based on the results and decisions and everything, that's how they change their model. So what's unique about this is they're not having their own model. 
they're basing it on the results of the tests that are going in, and then they're changing the model of what people want instead of what they want. We're going to be having our own virtual assistant called Kelly. Have you heard of that? I saw that in the, I saw that, listened to the speech, and it's spelled K-E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, right? You are correct. Yeah. So it's going to be just like these other uh, little tablets that people have in their houses. What is it called? Alexa or something? Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, so instead of Alexa, it's going to be called Kelly. So when you have questions and anything related to real estate or your own personal database or mortgages, you can ask Kelly. So it'll it'll be a, a artificial intelligence sort of uh, personal assistant for all, just for Keller Williams agents, right? For, for all Keller Williams agents, correct. Yeah. So it's not going to be a book for the general public. You have to be a Keller Williams agent. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but, uh, there's so much going on in the world of technology. This whole artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, it's going to be exciting to see where we're at five years from now. I know we say that all the time, but boy, it really feels different this time because <laughs> there's some amazing stuff going on. Yeah, and I don't know if you were aware, but Keller Williams for the first time this year, we were number one in volume, sales, and units. We had the trifecta. We had two out of the three, but we mm -hmm. had all three of them this year, volume, sales, and units, number one in each. That's uh, all along the United States. Well, I know they're doing great things. I mean, I know that a um, lot of friends in the business uh, that, that are Keller Williams agents and, and the, the whole team model that they've pioneered is, you know, amazing. And, and speaking of that, you're you're going down that path. You know, you're getting busier and busier and you've um, you've added now a marketing person to your team. Talk about that decision and, and how you came to that. The decision is like with any big uh, business. You can't do it all. You have to start leveraging uh, your workout. Uh, if you don't leverage the workout, your service is going to go down. Uh, if your service goes down, of course, your clients are going to go down. So anyway, um, I've hired someone. Her name's Krista. She's going to be doing the marketing and mainly all the technology, the stuff I don't have time doing, uh, sending out information uh, to people uh, for everything, Instagram, uh, helping me set up podcasts, sending out reviews, uh, setting up all types of systems that I've never done in my 21 years. Isn't that hard to believe? No, it's not hard to believe because what you're good at, Dan, is talking to people, right? What you're good at is sitting down with a family at the kitchen table and explaining the whole process that's going to occur as you sell their house, right? I love doing that. I love when we have uh, when we take buyers out before we take them out. We have a consultation. Uh, we tell them everything, what to expect, what not to expect. We give them a copy of the contract. We have stuff highlighted in yellow for them to review. review. Uh, so when that time comes up, they know ahead of time. They're not asking all these questions during the process, and they can concentrate on a house that they're buying. Or in that case, a house that they're selling. We have a consultation with our seller, too. So when we have a listing presentation, we not only go over how we sell houses, we tell them about the whole process of what's going to happen. That's why you bring on, you know, when you when you get your business to a certain level, I see lots of agents, you know, um, worry about getting buyer's agents and all kinds of other stuff. But I think it it makes sense to bring in someone who can help with the back end stuff. Then you can still focus a whole lot more energy out with the people, right? And the back end stuff makes the front end stuff work. Right. So if you don't have someone working the back end, the back end is actually more important than the front end. Because the back end makes the front the front end work. 
yeah, you got to, you've got to spend some time, resources, money, you know, building that up. If you want to, you know, kind of get bigger and grow and scale bigger, right? There's only so many transactions a, a single agent can do at one time. Correct. I've had you here, you know, pretty close to a half hour. So I'm, I'm going to give you my final question that I've asked every single guest on the podcast. Um, and, and, so this is your number 135. So yeah, 134 people before you have, have answered this. But if, if you could give one, after 21 years, you know a lot about this business. So if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? There's a four-letter word. And I want to know if you know what the four-letter word is. Oh, boy. Uh, you put me on the spot. Let me think. A four-letter word. Um, work. First letter starts with the letter W. I say work. Work. <laughs> work. That's the most important thing that people can do. Because what happens is people, uh, they're not consistent with their work. And they do, they do the things that they're supposed to do when they feel like doing it instead of doing it consistently. So what you need to do is if you like knocking on doors, you have to do, do that consistently. If you like hosting open houses, you do that consistently. If you want to work on expireds, you do that consistently. If you want a phone call, you do that consistently. You don't do it when you feel like it. You set up a schedule every day to do these items. One of the great things about the, the world of real estate is, uh, and, and at the same time, one of the curses is that you, you set your own schedule, yeah. right? And Very true. Yeah. I got a question for you, Bill. Yeah. I noticed when we were talking about sports a little, uh, for some reason, the Rays got left off the table. Any reason? <laughs> well, as you know, as a St. Petersburg resident and uh, Stu Sternberg, you know, I think that's his name. He's uh, I'm not a big fan. I've been only been here a year, but I know they want out of here badly. And and I get it. Look, the stadium is um, is not. It's probably the worst ballpark I've ever been in, to be quite honest. And they want something new and exciting. And they're going to end up probably near Ybor City in a cool, you know, you know, brick old style ballpark that everyone's built everywhere now. So I guess, like, I'm a big baseball guy and I like the Rays. I mean, I support the team where I live, but I'm just bummed they're going to be leaving, you know, my back, right? Really pretty much out my back door. <laughs> does that make sense? It does. Do you think, do you think a lot of the local businesses will uh, be affected by that? Is there a big business uh, a big business related to the raise there locally? No, um, I would say Ferg's is going to suffer big time, right? Ferg's on Central. It's like the biggest sports bar okay. I've ever seen, right? It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, they're going to suffer for sure. But but this the, this whole um, area that that's Grand Central District is what it's called uh, is booming, and there's a lot going on in St. Pete. I think we our timing moving here probably could have been better. Because uh, there's this real renaissance going on, so I don't, I, th I don't think losing the Rays is going to affect downtown St. Pete as much as it might some other community. Because there's just so much going on. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Hey, I know they've been here since 1998. I think we've made one. We've made it to the World Series one time. I'm a big sports fan like you are, and I'm really wishing them the best. St. Pete's not a good place. The state, I shouldn't say a good place. The stadium's not a good stadium. Yeah, I went there for opening game. I think it was last year against the Yankees and I had and six inning. I went to the restroom and it was probably like the dirtiest restrooms I've ever been in my whole life. Yeah. Um, and just the simple stuff like that, they couldn't keep up. So it was kind of disappointing. 
and I've been to the stadium before, but it's just like they've let it go. And, and sometimes I wonder if they've let it go on purpose so they can get a new stadium. I wouldn't put that beyond, uh, beyond ownership. That's, there are lots of different ways to try and get what they want, and, and they're going to want some taxpayer money, and so that's always an issue. Um, so we'll, we'll see where we go. Well, this has been a great uh, session with you, and I really yeah. appreciate you inviting me over here. Dan, if somebody wants to reach out to you, um, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way to reach me is either my cell phone, 813-293-3603. Uh, they can also email us at hensler, H-E-N-Z-L-E-R, at kw.com. Uh, we would love to hear from anyone. We help everyone. We have a great team, have a buyer's agent, have two full-time assistants, have a technology person, and we're cranking business. That's awesome. Dan, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and, and taking some time out of your data to join us on the Real Estate Sessions. I appreciate it. Thank you uh, very much for inviting me.